praise the Lord for that. Book of Hebrews, if you would please, on the fifth chapter. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 1, please. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, to offer for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that saith unto him, Thou art my son, they have a begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong cries and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death, and was hurt in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him, called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I love the book of Hebrews because it really is self-explanatory if you keep reading and I, I just love to read it over and over. And we, you have to go back now to chapter 4 to understand what is talking about here. Let's go back to chapter 4 for just a second and read verse 14 down through verse 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed unto heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our firmness, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, the chapter 5 has to do with the high priesthood of Christ. In this chapter, Paul discusses the priestly character and work of the Lord Jesus Christ as typified by Aaron's priesthood in the Old Testament. Now, first of all, what a priest, what a high priest is. According to verse 4, this office is most honorable one. Look at verse 4. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called to God, as was Aaron. And uh, if you go back and study the Aaron priesthood, uh, there were some that tried to 
enter into the priesthood that was not called to be priesthood, and God opened earth, up the earth and swallowed them. And so uh, you find two things about the high priest, the, his functions and his qualifications. His function, the most important function he has, is verse 1. He asks for other men in things respecting uh, their relations to God. Now the wonder of this office is, although God has denied access to His throne by sinners, yet God has granted connection with a special arrangement of grace. Now Jesus, our high priest, gives us sinners access to God's throne. That's grace. Now, if you go back and study the priesthood and you study what all, what does it take to get to the throne of God, a sinner can't do that in ourselves. We cannot approach the throne of God in ourselves. Our sins keep us from it. And, and I know what enters our mind when we think about that. Well, what great sin have I committed? That's not the case. What is the case is we're just sinners, period. And being sinners, period, it's not the it's not the degrees of sin that keeps us from God. It's just being sinners that we cannot approach God. So we need somebody or, or some office to enter into the throne of God for us. Now, Aaron was that type. God called Aaron, and he interceded for the men, uh, the people of God. In verse one, he asked for other men things respecting the, the relationships of God. Number two, he offers sacrifices, both free will offering and sin offerings. Because men are guilty sinners, the words priest and sacrifice cannot be separated in. If you have a priest, you've got to have a sacrifice. Uh, if you're going before God, you have to have to sacrifice before you can get to God. And in the Old Testament... Aaron had to offer sacrifice for himself first and then for others. And because men are guilty sinners, the words priest and sacrifice cannot be separated. There can be no priest without sacrifice then. So his qualifications in verse 1 again. Uh, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Number one, he must be human. He must be a partaker of the nature that is to be redeemed. Number two, he must be humane. Verse two, and of the doctrine uh, uh, who can uh, have compassion on the ignorant. In other words, he must be capable of considering sympathy with the people for whom he meditates. Number three, he must have a sacrifice. Verse three, notice, uh, and by reason thereof he ought for, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. So he must have a sacrifice. Because without a sacrifice, no man can approach the sinless God. And Jesus was all man uh, with our sins in his body, yet he was the sacrifice for sin. Number four, he must be appointed by God. Verse four, and no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. Now, if you want to fully understand that, you have to go back in the Old Testament and study the life and the office of Aaron. And if you do that, 
It is for God to decide whether he will allow himself to be approached at all on behalf of the guilty. In other words, men don't come up and say to God one day, i got a right to be here. No, he don't. God is the only one that will give you the authorship to come unto him. Uh, and as it is a God who selects the person who meditates will be accepted of him. I, I was just reading this past week where Korah and the, the other one, I can't remember the other uh, one, came in and told uh, Aaron, you take too much on yourself. And uh, God said, wait a minute. You get them all together and come before me and I'll tell you who I've selected. And when he did, he approved Aaron and he opened up the earth and swallowed all, all the Korah's families and all of those that had to do with him and everything that had to do with him. And so now we come to the reality of Christ's high priesthood. Jesus Christ, our Lord, possesses all the uh, genealogies needed for the high priesthood, and He actually discharged those duties, beginning in verse 5. So also, now, so as Aaron, so also Christ glorified not Himself to be made a high priest, but he that says in him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten him. And he says also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you go back and study the office of Melchizedek, you'll understand he had no beginning and he had no ending. What that means is, it did not mean, like I've read sermons on, uh, he was never born and he never died. No, he, did, he was born. And he did die, talking about Melchizedek. That's not what he's talking about at all. It's talking about his rightful lineage to the priesthood. If you go study uh, Melchizedek, you'll find he had no beginning of the right order of the priesthood, and he had no ending to it. It's the same thing when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he has the qualifications of high priest. He was appointed by God in verse 5 and 6. Now, these two, uh, notice, he is a man, verse 7 and 8, and then who in the days of his flesh makes him a man, verse 7, although he was a son, God's son, verse 8. Uh, number 3, he is able to sympathize. He suffered also. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? And on Calvary, Jesus suffered. He offered himself as a sacrifice, verse 7-8. That's obedience. And so, uh, he discharges the duty of a high priest, verse 9. He has paid the price for our everlasting life. Look at verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all of them that obey him. Now, in other words, there was a, there was a uh, demand by God for the sacrifice to be absolutely perfect. He couldn't have a, a blemish in his skin. He couldn't have anything wrong with him. A hoof couldn't be crooked or any of that. They had to put up the lamb or the sacrifice and watch it very carefully that there was absolutely nothing wrong with it before they offered. Christ Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. He has no flaw in him. He gives access to God the Father. He prays to God for us. In other words, a man in his sins cannot come to God, the Holy God's Father, in his cell. He must have an in-between before him. 
And I like what an old preacher used to say, that by the grace of God, uh, Jesus is seated on the right hand of God the Father now and reaches down to sinful men and brings us together with holy God. And that's the truth. Without Jesus and without our great high priest, we couldn't come before God. And we could not be saved, neither could we have our petitions of everyday living brought before Him. And that's why we pray in Jesus' name. Now, notice uh, the contrast between Christ's priesthood and Aaron's priesthood. Number one, Jesus needed not to offer any sacrifice for Himself. Verse three, because He was personally holy. Number two, He was both priest and sacrifice. He not only was the priest, but he was also the sacrifice. And number three, his priesthood really procures salvation and is not merely typical. Look at verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all of them that obey him. What that means is Aaron typified and the lambs and the offerings that Aaron offered was nothing but the types and figures of Christ to come. Jesus is not the uh, type. He is the real. He's the Christ Himself. And so He was both priest and, and sacrifice. The priesthood really procured salvation. is not merely typical. Number four, He is a higher order than Aaron's and not was more fully represented by Melchizedek, verse 10, because it cannot be transferred and two, it is a royal priesthood, Christ being king as well as priest. So he, he, now, here is the great truth taught here in the assurance also, verse 9. Salvation is to all them that obey him. That simply means you can have the knowledge, you may know the history of Jesus as high priest and king, you may even know that Jesus completely obeyed the Father in all things. But, unless you obey Him, you cannot be saved. Uh, John 3, verses 3 6, tells us about these things and goes with it. Salvation is found in obedience to Christ. Then. What I've preached ever since God called me to preach. You can know this Bible, every bit of it. You can know God. You can know the Lord Jesus Christ. You can know He died for you. You can know He paid the sin penalty on the cross for you. But until you obey Him and asking Him to be your Savior, it's none of yours. And that's what He's talking about here. So, salvation is found in obedience to Christ. And because Christ saves men from their sin, and all that are saved by Christ love Him. And a loving heart delights to obey the one who they love. Number four, the disobedient cannot enter into heaven. Heaven is a place of perfection of obedience. Now beginning in 11, verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for is a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now what that means 
is simply that we never get it all. A sinner cannot understand everything about God. You ever seen some people you can't teach anything? They know it all. And, and a lot of them, when it comes to the Word of God, you can't tell them anything. And what this is, the Bible says we all need teaching. We all need understanding. And when you get to that place, especially you ain't nothing but a baby in Christ. You know what a mature Christian is? He's one that's always learning. He's always wanting to know more about God. And that's a mature Christian. That doesn't mean you've been saved for a long time. That means that you've grown up in the Lord. You've studied the Word of God. You've become a strong Christian. There's a lot of people that are uh, grown up Christians and hadn't been saved long. Why? Because they got in the Word of God and studied it and they wanted to know the things of God. And yet, I've known a lot of people been saved for years and yet they're still babies in Christ. They get their feelings hurt real easy. They quit on the Lord at the least little thing. And what the Bible calls, they're nothing but babies in Christ. And we're not to be that. Grown-ups and all uh, the eat is milk uh, they get weak. So you got to eat the Word of God. you got to uh, assimilate it, as a man says, and dwell upon it. And if you do, you learn. Now, I want to begin to read in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Now, watch it. I like this. Therefore, now, all has come before this. All has come before chapter 6. We've learned of Jesus Christ being the Son of God. We've learned how it was done. We've learned that He's our great high priest. He stands before us in sinful God. And He says, Now, leaving those principles behind us. What that means is, once you've learned those things and got that knowledge, why do you want to go back there? I'm amazed, I'm amazed how many people uh, that don't settle things when it comes to spiritual things in their life. Now, notice what verse 1 of chapter 6 says. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism, laying on the hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now, let me, let me explain it to you this way. My former pastor came in my office one day, me and him was there at the church together, and he came in my office, he said, Bertrand, I've been praying all night, and I want the Holy Spirit, and I want this, uh, this thing of speaking in tongues. If it's of God, I want it. And I was shocked. I mean, literally shocked. I sat there for a few minutes, I looked at him, I said, Good night, don't you know? After all these years, haven't you said that? You see, then that, that's just an instant of one thing. I've seen men, I had a man came in my office, a preacher, uh, a Baptist preacher came and spent an hour in my office talking to me about, I believe in repentance, preacher, and I believe it's a, a work of salvation. I said, no, you don't work for your salvation. And he could not understand repentance and how it went with our salvation. Now, let me explain something to you. Belief, repentance, and salvation 
all happens at the same time. When you see Christ as your Savior, according to the Word of God, that's belief. That causes you to turn from your ways unto God's ways. That's repentance. That's the instant that God gives you. Now, this preacher came in my office and he said, well, I believe that you see that you're a sinner and then you quit doing these things and then you come to God because you understand that you quit doing these things. I said, no, it don't work that way. And what I'm trying to show you is, shouldn't he have known? Shouldn't he have studied the Word of God? Here he was standing before people and preaching the Word of God and I like what Brother Roloff told me years ago. And I never will, I, I've always remembered it. He said, you have no right to ever get in a pulpit and say, I think this is what the Bible says. He said, if you're going to be a preacher and you're going to be a teacher of the Word of God, you better know what it says. Amen. 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 Right. Now, that's what Hebrews chapter 6 is saying here. He said, now, I've taught you about being a baby. I've taught you about growing up in the Lord. I've taught you about baptism. I've taught you about repentance. I've taught you about salvation by grace. I've taught you all these things. And now he said, I'm going to leave this behind. We're not coming back here. We're not going to be talking about this anymore. Now, the next two verses I'm going to read you, many denominations have been established on these next verses. They believe you can lose your salvation. They believe in the second blessing. And on and on and on. And so, beginning in verse 4 now, watch it. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the holy heavenly deity and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Now, somebody comes along and says, See, you can lose your salvation. Because it says right there that you can fall away. No, it doesn't. It says that you, if you fell, if you fell away, that you would have to cru crucify Christ all over again. And therefore, it's impossible to do that. See? That's what it's teaching. It's not teaching you can lose your salvation. Now, beginning in verse 7. For the earth which drinketh in the rain, that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth her meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth the blessing of God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh to cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made promises to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely, blessing. Now, get this, please. This is not God using profanity. This is saying, God. when God swears, he's not swearing in profanity, 
he's saying this is of a truth. It's like uh, going to court, if you would please, and putting your hand on the Bible. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that's what God is saying here. He could swear by no other name. He could not take the oath of truth by Abraham and Isaac and Jacob or by no other name. The only name that stands forever, truth, is God. Amen. And so if you're going to take somebody's word for it, this is what he's talking about here, you don't take the preacher's word, you don't take a denomination word, you take God's word for Amen. it. Amen. See? And that's what he's talking about. He's, he's making it plain that if you're going to determine something, you determine it on the name of God, not on the name of man. And he says in verse 14, saying, Surely blessings I will bless thee, and multiply and I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is them the end of all strife. Wherein God will he more abundantly show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, concerned it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and we enter into that within the veil. Wherefore the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now go back for just a minute, verse 18. For two immutable things. Immutable means impossible to do away with, and which is, was impossible for God to lie, so God cannot lie. Now, you go back to the book of Romans, and which I've encouraged every time I've done a study on the book of Hebrews, is take the book of Romans and read it with the book of Hebrews. In the book of Romans, it talks about we're, hope, we're saved by hope. And hope maketh us not ashamed. Amen. And somebody comes along and says, See, you can't know you're saved. Because the Bible wants us to hope we're saved. And that's not what it's talking about. In verse 19 says, Which hope we have an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. So he's talking about not as we call a hope. I hope I get a birthday present. That ain't what he's talking about. It says, I know I'm going to get a birthday present, and I, I know that hope is real. My hope is that one day Jesus is coming back. But in reality, I know He is coming back. Amen. See? That's the hope he's talking about. And so it's not an unsure hope. And so a baby in Christ will, well, I see the word hope here now. I don't know if I'm saved or not. No, a baby's already settled that. See? A baby in Christ, you don't ever go back there. I settled some things in my Christian life years ago that I determined I will not doubt that or go back to that again, such as the Bible being the Word of God, having no error in it. I don't doubt that. So when I come across something that I don't understand, I don't oh, God, you made a mistake. It's not the Word of God. I'm sorry, Lord, I don't believe you anymore. No, I just realize I don't understand it. I need to study it more. And so you go on and study more and learn more. And you grow. And, and if you understand these things, you'll never get confused when it comes to the Word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless you to come in our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.